Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda to Dorkin Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel, and a choice of petrol, diesel, or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. 086-1800-658 is the number you'll need throughout the show. WhatsApp or text me if you want to get in touch about anything. Anything on your mind, want to comment about anything we're talking about on the show this afternoon. And I have a couple of giveaways for you too. Another lovely day. Long may it last. It will last till tomorrow. Anyway, enjoy it. Anyway, we're in the uh, peak of the summer season. Uh, People are out and about. Restaurants are busy hospitality is flying and we're hearing today that the economic outlook is good that the economy is going to grow despite all that's happening so what's it like to run a busy business from a number of angles well we know her well she's one of our women with opinions and she joins me again today from sage and stone in Delique, kira burke welcome back to the show jerry how are you in this lovely sunny i'm great how's yourself Oh, great, great. It's absolutely gorgeous. We're very busy. Uh, people are out and about, um, sunning themselves, looking for tables outside. Well, because at the weekend, I think we're going to have, I don't know if it's going to be great again. So we're just making a while the sun shines. Yes, the forecast is a little dodgy, all right, for the weekend. But what's the forecast, Kira, for business? How are you doing? Like, we all know prices are rising by the new time. What about you in terms of labour? Have you enough people to work for you? And, you know, people are looking for wage increases. You're buying in your produce as well. That's going up in price. Have you to pass it on to the customers? Well, I've had to, I had to pass it on to the customers there recently because the wage or the, the increases in like fuel, gas, electricity um, and foodstuffs had just got, had skyrocketed. I, I couldn't believe it. So I had to um, I had to put up some of my prices um, to counteract some of that. Um, in terms of staff, I'm in a very lucky position that I work at my daytime business. Mm. I can get staff. I have a queue of people looking to work for me because, um, you know, it's, it's a daytime business. They're home at half five. So, like, it's, I think the ones who are struggling for staff are people who are running nighttime businesses and people who have got used to having their weekends off and their nighttime off. Um, they just don't want to go back to that type of work. Mm. And that's just it, you know. And uh, so my staff, they get every second weekend off. 
And that's the way I've had to structure it because it's all about a life-work balance. And if you don't give your staff a life-work balance, they won't be with you for very long. What about the rising cost of living? Will you have to, you know, wage rises? You know, you know the public service are in negotiations at the moment. They're hoping to strike a deal for a couple of years. And they're not happy with the government's offer. What about when you're, when you're running a business in the private sector like you are and your costs are escalating all around? Is there any scope to, to, to uh, increase wages? Well, I mean, if I, look, I'm a business that, you know, I pump everything back into my business to grow it and uh, to increase. If I see that a staff member is, you know, is doing well, they'll get a a wage increase. I mean, they're not on minimum wage. They're on more than minimum wage here because uh, it's a living wage and that's the way to do it. Now, it's not easy because, um, you know, with all the costs that are, are across the board, but everywhere is going to be the same. And the more we talk about these costs and the, you know, it's going to stop people going out. So I don't want to really talk about, you know, all the costs because the more we talk about it on radios and talk about it on the, on the in newspapers and whatever, people are just like, okay, I'm not going out. I'm not going mm. out today. So then it, it starts a whole, I mean, I, 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 because of the media attention on, you know, costs and everything, people are just staying in. They're, I mean, I've seen a drop in people coming out. My, my normal, you know, OAPs that would come in during the week and that kind of thing. Like, they're just so afraid. And, and uh, yes. if they listen to the news, they're going to get afraid and they're going to say, no, I won't go out for my lunch today. I'm going to save my money for, um, for my fuel for the winter. And, uh, you know, so it's going to be... So the more talk there is about it, Jerry. Uh, the more people are going to stay in. So mm. please, can we just, uh, <laughs> like we've been through this before. Yes. We've just been through yes. a massive recession. I've I've lived through the 80s where my mother would say, put on a jumper if you're cold, you're glass. Like, you know, it's not, it's not like, just don't go in the car everywhere. Like walk, you know, just don't go, you know, try and, and save your fuel and try, like there's ways and means of living through this. Yes. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. And and that I'm delighted you said that. I wanted to get to that point. And I'm like yourself. I remember the 80s well. Uh, each decade has brought its challenges. We, you know that. Uh, we've lived yeah. through it and we've come through it as well. And you're right. We can talk ourselves down or talk ourselves yeah. into a recession. There's no doubt about uh, that. Absolutely. And I think we have to be positive in this country. It's going well. I think we are so, so blessed in this country to have, first of all, the climate we have. People out there might be giving out, oh, we're having a crap summer. But I tell you, I wouldn't like to be in sunny Spain this year because I, you'd be baked. I had two friends who came back from their lovely apartment that they go to every year and they said, oh, no, you couldn't deal with the heat. Mm. We haven't been there. Now we're not going back again this mm. year because it's, do you know what I mean? It's like it, you couldn't work in it. You couldn't live in it. So I think we're very lucky yes. and we should be thanking our lucky stars that we have the climate we have. Isn't that interesting? Because just yesterday I spoke to somebody who was back with two small children and they couldn't wait to get home. It was so dangerous, she said to me. Uh, the, yeah. the heat was so so intense. And, and we have to look at ourselves and say, it's a very temperate place here. You know, we, we don't... It's a very temperate place. We have relative peace, Jerry. Yeah. We have... I mean, I had a Ukrainian girl living here for a couple of months. She's after moving into a house there with other Ukrainian ladies. And uh, they couldn't believe how beautiful it was, how peaceful it was, mm. how they weren't afraid here. Like, we have, t- we take a lot of stuff for granted. Yeah. We have a great country. And I'm telling you, I think, you know, with the government, you might be giving out about them all the time. But go to England and see what you're getting on the dole or the, you know, the PUP. Go to, um, go to any other country and see what you're, what you're getting from your government. And I'll tell you one thing, you'll be getting the first train home. Mm. There's a lot to recommend. And, and despite the fact I'm like you and you take issue with things, I would myself times I give out or whatever but when you do look uh, the grass looks greener on the other hill but actually oh, yeah, totally. 
where we are. It, it's not a bad little place at all. It, and, and actually, even last night, Jerry, I went down to Laytown. I had mm. a lovely swim. And you know what? I said, isn't it great to be alive? And uh, I had me tea on the way home in a fish and chip shop. And uh, it was just lovely. And yeah. I just said, you know what? The simple things in life are free and not too expensive. So go out there and enjoy yourself and don't listen to any of the negativity. You know, it's always the way, I'm sure if you're involved in the listening to the political side of things and, uh, you know, our government, etc. And, and all the time the government have been hammered, do something, do something, do something more. But as yeah, you but say... What are they doing about it? What yeah. are we doing? What are we doing for our country? Mm. What are we doing to give back to the local people or to people who are in need? They don't be given out by the government all the time. Mm. I mean, the government can only do so much. I mean, they're not going through a whole pandemic and paying out a, a fortune. And, like, I wouldn't be on one side or another. But i just say, like, we can't be always putting the hand out. Go and look for it yourself. Mm. And that's, uh, it begins, the power of one, I always say, on anything. Okay. It begins with one. And, and things you said there, you're right, I remember. <laughs> Stick, and we'll be coming, like, we're in summer and enjoy the summer and the autumn. We have loads of lo- lovely weather on the way. But listen, you can warm yourself up with a few more Gansies on you, it's true. You know when the well, time you, comes. You look at a photograph of yourself in the 80s and <laughs> the 70s, right? Stop. <laughs> I can guarantee you have a duffel coat on, yeah. you have a vest, you have two shirts on. I slept two in it. And you have a jumper and a hat. Yes. And like now they're looking to go around in a t- shorts and a t-shirt at home in, in the winter. So like, you know, there are ways and means, darling. There certainly are. You mentioned yeah. Spain, something I just wanted to bring up just to expand the conversation. Uh, you know, the, the queues at Dublin Airport, thank God it, it appears to have ease at this stage. Have you been to the airport lately? I have. I sent my daughter off. She's gone on her J1 visa to San Diego. I mm. brought her up there a couple of weeks ago and it was just, you know, it, look, that first weekend was a disaster. Mm. That first weekend of the big, you know, I think it was the June Bank holiday weekend or whatever before that was a disaster. They weren't they weren't ready for it at all. I don't know why they weren't ready. Like, that was stupid because they would have had the list of flights that were going out and, you know, it was ridiculous. But, um, so it was bad planning on their part. But the the airport, as long as you're going in, don't go too far in advance. Just go with the normal time that you're mm. meant to go in mm. and, and you'll, you'll go through no problem. But it's what you expect. Like, it's all about expectations. Yes. Like, it's like people's expectations about how they get on in hospital. Like, are they expecting to go into the five, a five-star hotel? Mm. Are they expecting food that they have at home? Are they, do you know what I mean? It drives me mental when people are always giving out, giving out, giving out. Just get on with it. Like, it's... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they, if you get on with it in life, it actually just does work out. Oh, yeah, there's a given out thing and it's got into an awful lot of people. But back to the airport, I just wanted to raise something because I, I was out with my Wednesday club last evening and one uh, of the guys who, who travels a lot for work and that and, and mm. people comes, uh, he uh, brings people to this country from elsewhere. He was telling me that Dublin airport is absolutely filthy. He's been in the airport and he's welcomed people and he said he could not believe at the state of Dublin Airport, the state uh, where you wait for flights with rubbish left yeah. everywhere and windowsills on the ground, the toilets. I don't know whether you've heard this, but I said I'd mention it today. Uh, it's, yeah. it's another issue because, um, you know, staff were let go uh, for yeah. when the pandemic was on and they're trying to get back up. But surely, Kira, I just raised this point. You get contract cleaners in. You can't be waiting for yeah. recruitment, no, don't exactly. you, and clean it up. Yeah, go and 
clean it up or get someone who's just, you know, um, like he's not that busy, go and clean up, you know. But they, they, they won't, people don't want to work outside their contracted hours, their contracted work. No, that's not my job description. You know what I mean? That's, that's the worst thing about this country. Mm. So, uh, you know, we just need to, that all needs, but it's never going to change. Uh, it's going, and it's getting, it's getting tighter and tighter. And the other thing is Dublin itself is filthy. Jerry, it's not just the airport. Dublin itself is filthy, and uh, you know you drive around and you go, "Oh my God, is this our capital city?" Can't believe, like you know, it is. It's not like we need to clean our act up. Mm. And uh, but but that would mean that, that means everyone getting on board. Like I don't know why everyone doesn't do their bit for their own community, their right, their own front gate. Mm. Like that's the way it should be in this country. Mm. But we don't do it because it's somebody else's job, and it's the government's job to do all that. I take it you look after your own premises and the uh, the surrounding area there. You yeah. do, like, like most yeah. uh, decent people do. I, I just throw that out to the listeners there. Uh, anybody uh, to the airport lately noticed the issue with, with uh, dirt in the airport and rubbish being left on the toilets? If you have 086-1800-658, WhatsApp or text me into the show. The other thing, Kira, I wanted to mention to you today, I'm going down the opinions route, forgive me here for a moment, but mm. something I wanted to say to you. How can two people lie dead in a house for at least 18 months? Well, I actually, I'm actually quite shocked about that now, I have to say. I, I, I mean, did they live down a long lane that nobody, uh, like I didn't know, like that's what I was, I didn't see it on the news. But I couldn't believe that in this country that we would be, like I had neighbours up the road, right? And I thought, I, I said to them the other day, I said, Jesus, I didn't know where you were. I thought you were dead, but they were having a no more Wednesday or no more May. Yeah. And then in June, when they went to mow the grass, they had no, um, the mower was broken. So they're now having them a no more. And I said, I said, that's a disgrace. I said, I thought you were all dead in the, in the bed. But I went over to see where they all right. Yes. So did nobody go in and see were they all right? Because they had a lovely neat garden. Mm. They had a lovely bit. Well, this is what I heard. They they kept the place lovely. And then it was just went to rack and ruin. And some neighbours said that they thought they'd gone back to England. But they had no family. Mm. So it, nobody knew them, obviously. It's shocking, isn't it, to contemplate that you would lie there for so long. And I, I smiled when I watched the news when people said neighbours raised the alarm after 18 months. Yeah, no, exactly. To, like, I mean, like, I, like my neighbours were it was two weeks after I saw the grass. I said, no, that's not like them. They're both landscape gardeners. Mm. And I thought, my God, are they, well, is everything all right? And I went over. I said, is everything all right? Oh, no, we just have a normal May. And I thought for landscape gardeners, that was unusual. But um, anyway, it's all about this wilding. Yes. business, but, but no, that was shocking to me, Jerry. Mm. I have to say, and for this country, um, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be surprised in England to be honest, because it's a much massive uh, population, and they tend to do them, you know, stick to themselves. But I thought of this country now, you know, I thought we were a little bit more caring than that, and checking on people, which was being uh, drummed out from, during, especially during COVID. Yes, we were drumming it out. Yeah, to check, check on people. your neighbours. Yeah, to, to yeah. keep an eye on them. I mean, you mentioned the population. Do you see today we're over five million now five since the last million, census? I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's gone yeah. up. Uh, we, but we just need to build a few more houses, I think. Ah, well, you know that's. Yeah. Uh, don't give out. Don't don't start giving out about that because we don't no, want no, people no. giving out. <laughs> no, I'm not giving out about that. But I'm saying there's a, there's a two tier thing about that. They're not building enough, but also like I look at the demographics in this country have completely changed. So many people, like my sister, lives in a house on her own with uh, that used to house 15 of a family. Yeah. So, um, and I know so many people who live on their own in in houses on their own, and that used to be, I mean, it used to be people of six, six, 
family or whatever. So yeah. there's a lot of that as well. There's a lot of separation. What's the answer to that, though? Is there an answer to that? Because you uh, love... Well, you love... I, think, I think the objection laws in this country are an absolute disgrace. People shouldn't be allowed to object as easily as they can because... It should be a much because everything everyone is objecting to social housing or uh, social and affordable housing on their backyard. Mm. And, and so, that's a, that's a big issue with the, with the new bills. But come back to that point where your sister your sister loves her house, and I take it she doesn't want to move from that house, and she has lots of capacity there. But it's a very difficult one to grasp here, where people want to stay in the houses they've grown up, their family have grown up in that they love, that they perhaps have developed their gardens and things like that. And you can't just say to people, "Out you go." Oh, no, no, I'm not saying, but I'm saying that, you know, where people used to live in in kind of groups and families, yes. lots more people in this country want to live on their own. Mm. Like, she doesn't want to live with anyone. Yes. Like, she loves it on her own. <laughs> and, uh, like, like, there's tons of people I know that want to be living, and if you ask them, would they share? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, and but so, you know the tra- a huge thing there, and there's also separated families. All the guys are the girls who have to move out of the family yeah, home, yes, yes. and then you have to stay to find a house. That yeah. didn't happen years ago when there was no divorce; you had know. to just stay put. <laughs> I know, and you'd have put up and shut up. And Miriam <laughs> would have had to put up and shut up with you, Jerry. <laughs> She's a saint. Anyway, I'm going to shut up and so are you now at this stage. Yeah. Anyway, I wish you well. Uh, yeah, continued success well, in the business there in Sage and Stone. And thank you always. I love your opinions. I love talking to you. And we'll be back around the table here shortly, I promise. Yeah, brilliant. All right. Take care, Kira. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Kira Burke there from Sage and Stone. Kira's given out herself there, says Sinead. I know she's given out about giving out, Sinead. And you have to give out about giving out because we all got to stop giving out, to be honest with you. Moan a minute. Uh, Jerry says, Mary, that one woman is a breath of fresh air. I totally agree with her. I go walking on my days off with my three dogs and it's the thing uh, to do. It's free. I enjoy it so much. The simple things in life. People, some people are lazy and won't. Jerry, you're right about the airport. It's absolutely filthy, says a listener there. I've been through it in recent days. Um, Jerry, you don't have to go to Dublin Airport to see how bad it is with the rubbish. Look at all oh, the recent uh, survey. I know what you're talking about. Here's another one from Jerry and Navin. Came back off holidays last Friday. The baggage area in the airport was full of suitcases all around the walls and in crates. Toilets filthy. No loo paper. Floors covered in wet wipes all over the place uh, it, it's simply disgusting Jerry. your friend is 100% right Dublin Airport have you seen it recently have you anything to say about it the airport is rotten dirty we just want to tell you that today the image of Ireland coming into this country it must be horrendous for people to see this it's not right it has to be put right 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text we're heading towards the top of the hour news and weather on the way in the company of Mr. Mick Christopher and it's heyday. It's not heyday at Dublin Airport, I can tell you. It's something else entirely. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Thursday afternoon. Welcome to the show. Stay with us. Lots to come before 3.30 this afternoon. Yes, I'm getting more messages about the state of Dublin Airport. Not the queues, but the 
cleanliness, the lack of cleanliness, the filth of the airport. Jerry, I can confirm, says a listener, that it's filthy from top to bottom. It's shocking. I've just returned from a trip in the last few days. I couldn't believe it. And don't get me started, uh, that person says, about the state of Dublin City. Another one here. There's an article in the Irish Independent today, Jerry, written by Nicola Anderson, regarding the resent being felt by locals in the area where that couple were found dead in the bungalow. I was talking about it earlier on with Kira Burke. There's more to this situation than meets the eye and it's worth reading. I will read it when I finish today, I promise you. Thanks for uh, pointing that out to us. Now, we move on on late lunch this afternoon. And I wanted to have a chat for the next while with a lovely lady. She's head of education at Swim Ireland. And look, the pandemic, swimming was impacted like most other sports and life severely with the closure of pools and people couldn't uh, learn to swim, etc, etc. So is there a COVID deficit with youngsters? I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch, head of education at Swim Ireland, Ashling McKeever. Hello, Ashling. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks very much for inviting me on. It's lovely to speak with you. It's great to have you with us. Is there a COVID deficit? With, we'll start there with young people yeah. because of the uh, the pandemic. Yeah, there absolutely is. And I suppose there, even prior to the pandemic, um, swimming lessons were always in high demand um, for young people, um, particularly for young children around the country because I suppose there's a lot of people that would have to travel 30 to 45 minutes to their nearest facility Mm. um, pre-COVID. So with two years of swimming lessons being missed, you now have seven-year-olds who would have started swimming lessons when they were five um, are competing now with five-year-olds to learn to swim. So it is a massive challenge. And, you know, from the perspective of, you know, physical literacy skills from a children, from a child perspective, it's really important that we're hitting those benchmarks in terms of, you know, children learning those basic fundamental movement skills, which a lot of them missed out during the COVID-19 mm-hmm. pandemic. And that's not just in swimming, it's in general, yes. you know, being at school and physical activities. So they, they would have missed out a huge amount on that. So, yeah, absolutely, I would say there is. So... What's happening to address this? You know, uh, you know, when you have uh, multiples of children looking to learn be- and that age difference uh, being the thing now uh, and, and you need people to teach them to, what's the story there? Yeah, so that's, that's probably the other challenge is that because the leisure industry in particular was very hard hit, a lot of, um, well, all facilities were closed. So a lot of swimming teachers moved out of the industry at the time So currently, um, leisure centres and swimming pools around the country are trying to rebuild their workforce and to build up to capacity. So I would say a lot of swimming pools are still operating at about 75% capacity because they don't have the staff to meet demand. So I I would say that we are behind in terms of trying to, um, you know, to meet the demands there at the moment. Um, In terms of Swim Ireland, from our perspective, um, we have a a few different initiatives that are running. Um, One of the things that really grew over um, COVID-19 was open water swimming. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we have some Learn to Swim programmes running around the country. We'd expect 2,000 participants to take part in those programmes this summer. And we also have a pop-up pool, um, which is a pool basically that sits within a container. It's 12 metres long. 3.4 metres wide and 1.2 metres deep. So most adults would be able to stand in that. And that is currently based in Donabate in Dublin and is due to move to Blessington in September. 
So the idea is that that pool will move four times in the year. And there's a second pool coming in around the same time, and that will be going to Sligo. And I suppose the idea behind that is that we're showing, trying to show local authorities and county councils that there are other innovative solutions to available to them, um, you know, in terms of trying to meet the demand that is out there um, currently. That's uh, good to hear and it is innovative and it just shows you you can take the pool to the people <laughs> and, and, and great to hear that. What about teaching? To become a teacher, a swimming teacher, is it complicated? How do you enter that sphere if you're short on teachers at the moment? Yeah, so, you know, it's a great qualification to have um, because there are jobs out there and, you know, I would say that they are actually nice sociable errors for anybody that is looking for work. Um, And our courses are more accessible now than they ever have been. They're broken down into three steps. An online module, which you can complete in your own time. A virtual classroom, so that's delivered over Zoom. And we're delivering those courses um, probably two or three times a month. And then you finish with a practical element in a swimming pool. And we're always looking for host facilities, but we are scheduling courses up to three and four months ahead now at the moment in terms of trying to meet the demand for facilities around the country. So in all, to become a level one swimming teacher, it takes about 30 hours. And then for a level two swimming teacher, so that would be um, somebody that would be able to teach on their own without supervision, it takes about 50 to 60 hours. Um, So it's definitely doable in terms of being able to come out and be employable at the end of it. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of the, I suppose the draw to it as well is that you can complete it in your own time at home as well, which is beneficial, I think. Mm. So information available from Swim Ireland itself? Yes, yep. Uh, Log on to the Swim Ireland website and we have an education section and it provides all the information on how to become a swimming teacher and what's involved in it. And I mean, look, you get the benefit of working with young people as well and seeing them learn a life-saving skill. And I suppose we are the only sport that is a life-saving skill, you know, so it's a great thing to be part of. Um, And there is also funding for anybody who is unemployed through Intrio um, to support people to retrain and become a swimming teacher. So the push is on to provide uh, more facilities where teaching can happen and uh, the requisite number of teachers to make up uh, the deficit. So that's a a work in progress. Louise isn't with me today, my producer, but we were talking earlier in the week, or maybe it was late last week, she can't swim. And I I was saying to her, God, that's a pity. And her husband and children can, uh, and she can't. Uh, Swimming, learning to swim at any age, Ashling. Any age, Jerry. honest to God, any age. You know, I've had people come in in their 60s and 70s learning to swim. And the biggest challenge as an adult is fear. Um, you know, when you're six and seven months old, you, you don't know any fear. You mm. do anything. Um, you know, you'll take any risk. But as an adult, we're, we're so inherently aware of risk and fear. Um, so that's kind of the biggest factor to overcome. And, you know, I would definitely encourage anybody, any adult out there that's thinking about learning to swim. It's a great skill to learn, even to be able to lie back on your summer holidays and float in the water and yes. just relax. That's a great skill to have. And, you know, you become more confident than yourself in your children being Mm. able to swim when you can do that yourself. But anybody can learn to swim at any age.
Oh, I'm going to keep at her. She's a young woman, let me say. I didn't. I wasn't being ages around there. She's a young woman, Louise, and I'd love to see her. And I, I know other people as well who don't. And I actually do know somebody who took it on. They were around their 50th birthday and they decided to do it. And you know what? They just absolutely love it. Now, they're taking like a duck to water. Sorry for years of that well-known phase. But, you know, it, it is. It is something really. It's a lovely uh, skill and gift to have. And as you said, it is a, a life-saving one as well. When I think about Swim Ireland, you know, you have a huge uh, family, haven't you? The Swim Ireland, you, you're an umbrella for so many. Yeah, so we cover the, uh, you know, a wide number of aquatic disciplines. So swimming, open water swimming, masters, so adults um, competing, um, and then also water polo and diving. Um, mm. So, I mean, there's quite a broad spectrum of sports within that. And we also then, within that um, umbrella, then we have clubs, we have participation and we have facilities. Um, so, you know, if you're going into a facility to, to learn how to swim, um, in general, most of your swimming teachers will have a Swim Ireland qualification. Um, if you're going to a swimming club or a water polo club, it's most likely a Swim Ireland club around the country. So, I mean, everybody has a connection with the water. So it's, it's lovely that we're part of that connection with so many people around the country. And we do follow your swimmers at international level, at Olympic, Paralympics, etc. And we're so proud and we love our athletes. We we take great joy from international success and you've become more prominent in those areas in recent times. And I'm sure there's a child or a mother or father or carer listening to me today who'll take a child swimming that someday, you know, you can just do it for social, recreational, they, you mentioned the open water, but someday there's people listening today are a child perhaps there that could represent this country absolutely i mean i I just it's such a it's such a fabulous sport to be involved in and you know you have such a great sense of pride when you do watch those swimmers internationally and you know i mean the likes of daniel whiffin who was competing competing this week at world ellen walsh who was competing at the olympics like i've been watching ellen swim since she was about 12 or 13 and, you know, she came through her Learn to Swim program in Temple Oak and trained competitively in Temple Oak and is a swimming teacher there, you know. So, I mean, it really is a lifelong involvement that people can have in the sport. You know, it's, it's a cradle to grave. And whether you're competitive or whether you're just doing it for participation or fun, there's so many opportunities you know, out there for people and employment as well, as, you know, yes. is the other part of it. Mm, uh, and it's great exercise and uh, good for your health, etc. Ashling, it's been a pleasure. We've covered so much ground today. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for having me. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Ashling McKeever there, Head of Education at Swim Ireland. If you can't swim, go for it. Go on, go for it, folks. Take up the challenge and go and learn how to swim. And if you are a proficient swimmer or whatever and you are interested, you heard Ashling there in uh, teaching others, uh, check it out on Swim Ireland, the education section there. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. From the swimming pool to a teenage disco, it's a potpourri every day on your Late Lunch. From country music to the disco dance floor. Yes, folks, that's where we're going now because I'm heading to Walterstown in County Meath where the chairperson of the G club there. Ruth Chambers joins me. Hello Ruth. Hi Jerry. how are you? Thanks for taking our call on late lunch this afternoon. I'm very good. Well tell me this, I really am curious about this. The teen disco in Walterstown is one of the most in demand in this region. I believe tickets are like gold dust, chicken seat, you name it. Why is it so popular? It sure is popular Jerry. Um We could probably sell each disco two times over. Um 
I think obviously it's popular with the children, um, but it's it's more popular with the parents because it's a really safe, well supervised, well run event, and that's why parents are at ease letting their children go to go to our discos. So I think that is the main reason why they are so popular. Because there's always a worry. Well, look at the, the traditional worries, a drink, uh, you know, getting into smoking, other things. But the other uh, danger today is all this social media stuff. I take it that's a big fear of parents. Of course, yeah. And uh, I'm a parent myself. And my, I know my kids are younger, but I, I, I'll be afraid of stuff like that when they come of age as well. But um, our discos are fully, fully supervised by our volunteers. And um, the parents have to drop the kids to the club grounds. There's no buses or anything like mm. that. And the parents must also come inside the building to collect their children. And, you know, they can see what's going on. There's transparency from us. We're not hiding anything. And, yeah, and we, as I said, we couldn't do it without our volunteers mm. um, who are amazing. They keep a close eye on everyone. And thankfully, yeah, it, it all runs smoothly and we've never had a minute's trouble since it was started by... Um, Ian Riley back in 2009. You are running a long time, I have to say, and consistently uh, running a great show there. But what you mentioned there is important, uh, the peace of mind of parents. You have to leave them in and you have to pick them up. Nobody's going to get lost or there won't be any difficulties on the way there or the way home. But come back to uh, no alcohol, nothing like that allowed. That's a complete no-no. Oh, absolutely. No alcohol, no vaping, no smoking. Um, We run... uh, a soft drinks bar with soft drinks, water, Pringles, crisps, mm. bars, and that is it. Cash only. And, yeah, no, really safe, really fun. And, yeah, well, uh, it's going uh, strong. Yeah, and, and supervised uh, uh, intensely by, by the people there. Look, they have fun, and uh, they are allowed their phones, aren't they? Because you know the way they love to take selfies and everything. But I come back to social media. This thing of, you know, and children and young teens will be young teens. They take pictures, and certain type of pictures shouldn't go up on social media. How do you deal with that? Yeah, look, we live in an age where social media is to the fore, putting it mildly. So we don't ban phones at the events. We don't. But we, we ask the children to respect other people's privacy. Mm. privacy, uh, And we have a rule that if, if that respect is broken, that we confiscate the phones and we will give them back to them when their parents come in to collect them at the end of the night. And again, I think parents are, are quite happy with that because the last thing any child needs is, is a video of them floating around social media that they, they didn't consent to. Mm. Yeah, and that's important to, to emphasise today. It is illegal to do something like that. Have you ever had an instance where maybe a, a romantic moment was posted with two young people? Um, look, disco is for 12 to 14-year-olds. Mm. Um, it's all very innocent, thankfully. Okay. There's an odd kiss here or there, but okay. you know, we never had, we've never had any trouble whatsoever in that regard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a credit to you that that is the case because by God I don't have to tell you as a mammy trying to uh, you know uh, control and patrol social media it's probably one of the biggest challenges in in parenting today so it's a no no they can you know do so much and uh, that but don't please our online is is out the out the door yeah, just respect like the, 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 I've seen videos online of kids dancing or yeah, you yeah. know that that's fine, fine. Like, yeah that's fine but yeah. You have to have respect for for the other kids there, and yes, look, and they do. They're 
generally no 100% of the time the kids are there they're great they're there just to have fun yeah 400 you're expecting uh, this Friday is it on every Friday no, no, it's not. So yeah, we've 400 coming tomorrow night. What we, we usually run, since it's come back after COVID, we've, we do it during the school midterms and in the summer. So this is our start of the summer disco and then we'll have one at the end of the summer as well. Okay, so they're periodic, yeah. these uh, uh, these discos. I have to say, um, you don't hear a lot about them and I know we're still emerging from the COVID lockdown and sure it couldn't happen but there's not a lot of them about obviously that's why demand is is, is so great for, for your event Yeah, I think as I said, the start is in 2009 by Ian Riley and so it, it's running a long time mm. um, and it has the good reputation there's also a good lot of work involved for it and like we, we'd be lost without the people the parents and our members who come forward for these to supervise. So, yeah, there's a lot of work in us, but it's worth it. Sold out, sign up, yes, for tomorrow, unfortunately. It's absolutely sold out. Um, The folks who run the Watertown Club scene, social media pages on on, uh, Facebook and Instagram and on TikTok, they're inundated with messages from parents looking to beg, borrow or steal a ticket. Unfortunately, there's none left. Ah, sad to report, but it's a real testament to what you do and how well you do it as well. Good luck tomorrow and with the uh, subsequent uh, discos at Walterstown over the uh, coming months to enter the run into the end of the year as well. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Ruth. My pleasure, Jerry. Thank you very much. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Teen discos. Do you remember your first disco you ever went to? God, the innocence when you see them at that age. But that's the idea, to keep it as innocent as possible. 086-1800-658 is our contact number here on Late Lunch. Sure, I feel like a bit of disco myself now. Ah, Brian. Brian. Yo the man, Brian. Yo the man. Song on the nail, on the button. I remember dancing to this one whenever I wasn't out in the fields or fishing or that, which was rare. It's the Bee Gees, Disco Time on Late Lunch. Yeah, the Bee Gees and Night Fever on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Oh, memories, memories. I love the Bee Gees, I have to say. And didn't they morph in their careers from one to another? I'm talking about different genres of music. But when the disco came in, well, my God almighty. Yes, it really took off and it had its day. And they're still... They're still getting play. They really are. Um, round here, I remember going to the junior discos in Bohemian Community Centre years ago. Hector and Tommy Tiernan used to go to them as well. They were great old times, Jerry. Oh, geez, could you just imagine Hector and Tommy on the dance floor at a junior disco in Bohemian? Close your eyes and imagine that this afternoon. It must have been something else. But sure, maybe they're nice, quiet boys at that stage. Not anymore. When the McCoys disposed of Moorhall Lodge, I sold it on. That's what they did indeed uh, back in March 2020. There was a perception uh, that they rode off into the sunset and we'd never see them again. Nothing could be further from the truth and we're going to hear all about it now. Michael and Sean McCoy join me on Late Lunch. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks indeed for joining me. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks very much. Thanks Ma- for having us. Not at all. Michael, maybe you'd take that up. You you didn't step off the, uh, off the, the train onto the platform at all. Well, I'm not on the fast train. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, I'm uh, not on the fast train, but but I suppose in 2012, mm. uh, or sorry, in 2020, we actually sold both yes. Morehall Ajardi and Drawhead, as you know. But during that time, from zero five, we had a service that was running concurrently with the two nursing homes called Morehall Disability Service. So when the nursing homes were dis- uh, sold in 20, um, uh, 2020, we um, we renamed the service My Life. Okay. So that that service has been in existence for 17 years. Okay. So people maybe weren't aware of it because, you know, the more the higher profile was the actual Morehall Lodge yeah. and Morehall Lodge Drahada. So so that's the service we're here to talk about today. Um and and that service um it's probably fairly close to my heart in the sense that when I was 17 I started my nursing career in St Mary's in Drumcar and that was with intellectual disability. So that was my first that was my first introduction and I suppose a lot of the ethos and philosophy that we had in the nursing home sector at the time was about you know the household and small living living groups. And that's what's lovely about the the sector we're now in for the last 17 years, that people live in a homely, in small environments with four or five people living in that house. Um, and we respite as well. And, and that's a, an important point to come to. This is for all ages, Sean. It's just not for, we're, we're not talking for later years mm. care or that. No, absolutely. So it, it's adults. It's those people aged 18 and, and over through to 65. And within that, um, we, we provide services for people with intellectual disabilities, for uh, people with um, physical disabilities or sensory disabilities. So, so it is a range of, of um, uh, conditions that uh, we cater for across that age span that I've, that I've just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And, and the, there's probably two key strands to the service that we provide. I mean, as Michael says, the, you know, they are in small houses, just a house down the street. You wouldn't know who lived in them. And that's really our ethos, which is that it's home. And typically four or five people might live together in a house like that. Um, um, so, so you're looking at two strands. One is residential. In other words, it's home for life for, for somebody. And then the second strand of the services we got is around respite. And we've been providing respite for people with intellectual disabilities now in Louth for, for quite a while. Um, and we're, we're about to develop a new component to that for people with physical and sensory disabilities. And that's our new service in Dundalk uh, that we're opening up in the next uh, month or so, uh, once we get it registered with the regulator. So that's exciting. We're delighted. We know there's there's a lot of people there within within Loud that, uh, you know, they've had an absence of that service for the last couple of years because of uh, issues relating to COVID um, with the provider prior uh, to COVID. Um, you know, that they delivered the service. So we're excited about it. We know that people really want to access the respite um, service in Dundalk. It's in a house, uh, a fantastic house, we would say that. Um, it's, we call it Anamkara, which is soul friend, true friend. Yes. Um, and, um, uh, you know, as you develop new services, then you need new staff and you need additional staff. And at the moment, we employ just over 86 people. Uh, which we're very proud of. Um, With this new development, plus other developments that we've got coming up over the next six months, we're looking at probably additional 60, 65 um, positions that we need. 
Um, and, and again, we're very proud of that, being able to give that employment um, in, in, the local, in the local economy. Um, with developments planned in the latter part of this year and early next into Mead as well. So that's, that's a new yes. geographical place So you'll be pushing us. into Mead, yeah. Mead at that stage. It's a significant amount of jobs that's coming online. And can I say this to you? You see those 80-something people you meant that you've, people stay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Even the service My Life, mm. which we're here to talk about mm. today, we have staff there yeah. for the last 15 years. Yes. And particularly we're looking for staff that, and we would have spoken before, Jerry, about this when I would have come in and talked about the household model. We're looking with staff with big hearts. We're looking for staff that, 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 you know, there's a meaning in what to do, not just, you know, to turn up for work. And, and these people are very scarce out there nowadays. They're really scarce out there because, you know, it is difficult to, to, to employ people with hearts. And people might find that an unusual comment, but it's really crucial when it comes to caring for people. They just need to know themselves, be in touch with their own heart and then being able to care for people. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, big, it's a big need that we have, you know, because the staff we have at the moment, they have big hearts mm. and you can see that and you can see the connection that they have with the residents that they care for on a daily basis so yeah it's very exciting like 65 staff and we have 80, 80 plus staff 86 staff so it's it's an employer that I suppose it's it's uh, not like a, a standalone facility where it's a big you know facility these houses are just very discreetly um, you know around around the town of Ardy and yes. around around on dock so as Sean said you won't even know who lives next door because, mm. because it's perceived as a normal, a normal living house, mm. uh, and and they are modern houses with with all the facilities in them. Talk to me about respite. You know the the re- the need for respite for for families uh, and you know for people recovering from major traumas in their life. This is what we're talking about, Sean. Yeah, I mean the, the respite goes both ways, really, in terms of it's it's an opportunity for somebody. Um, who may have a, a, a physical or sensory disability um, to take a break from their life, from their yes. normal day-to-day mm, stuff. Mm. And a lot of people maintain a lot of independence. So so um, it is a break. They need that extra layer of support, which uh, Anam Cara, the house in Dundalk, will be able to do. Um, and then, of course, you've got um, families who, uh, for a number of people, may be the main carers. So, so that family network has also an opportunity to do what they choose to do whilst we look after the individual and, and, you know, care for their needs in a very homely, safe environment that's quite dynamic in what happens on a day-to-day basis. Uh, by the way, we don't have routine. So if somebody decides to get up at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, I know my uh, my uh, my um, daughter's not listening, um, but, you know, if, if, if somebody wanted to be like her and have a good lie-in till 12... That's no problem. And it's that flexibility that, that really, mm. you know, creates the ethos and culture that we mm. want. That's what I've always loved about it. Go on. Jerry, Jerry can I just say that there are a website. People can, people can contact us on our website. But, and that's www. Um, um, it's it's ml- yeah, We were yeah. going to summarise yeah. all of that yeah. for you, Jerry, yeah. at the end. But, but just yeah. to say the name My Life, the name My Life came from a resident. Because we, we involve residents in everything we do. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the residents and all about the staff. So when we spoke to this resident in a, in a, in a group, he said, it's my life you're talking about. So it's, it's a simple name with a, with a really um, simple meaning. But also just to explain that the service came from a resident from this area in Drogheda who was in, in a nursing home. And 
I argued at the time that he was inappropriately placed. And that's how the service actually came about. He was a young man and that man lived a very nice life, you know, in one of our community houses uh, within my life at that time. He's since passed on. Mm. But but that's how our service actually evolved and came about. So it came about our ethos and philosophy of care. Uh, and as I said to you earlier on, with people with, with, with the hearts, that, that, that's going to make that difference. It's yes. going to make that difference. Yeah. So Sean will probably give all the details. No, give, give those details now. We're, yeah. Because people are listening today who have hearts. And yeah. I know, yeah. uh, our late lunch listeners, there's lots of heart out there and I've experienced yeah. it over the years. How do they find out more about these opportunities? Yeah. Um, our website is the best place to go to. Um, so it's My Life by Estrella Hall. Um, or for short, if people want to search MLEH.ie um, or telephone 041 68 And at the end of that uh, phone will be Caroline, who I know is sitting listening to this interview and Caroline is, is um, waiting to speak to anybody who's interested in applying for a job and indeed for somebody who's not sure about is this an area that they want to work in, maybe doing something else at the moment and looking to transition to something different. We we would be delighted to talk to that person just the same as if somebody's formally applying for a job, then obviously interview that person too. By the way, before I forget, not that I'll forget, but can I just mention a couple of people? Um, because I know I'll be shot if I, if I don't. <laughs> um, we, we, we mentioned earlier about a family ethos. Michael and I are brothers um, and we come from a large family. But we also look at my life as a, an extension of our family. So so sitting around listening to the radio, I know is Barbara, who's the director of the of the service um, with with some of our colleagues, Caroline. So a big, a big shout out to Barbara and the team there. But also people that live in our houses as well, I, I know, are, are listening to this. So we're, we're, we're delighted to be able to be their voice today and talk about the service and talk about my life and what we're trying to do. Michael. Jerry, I just want to say we really want we want to thank you for the opportunity of coming to Late Lunch because we have a bit of a history with Late Lunch. You have. We used to sponsor this <laughs> You program. did, you did And, and the, the music was synonymous with Morha <laughs> living at the time for, for, for a number of years. Yes. Um, we haven't done that in a, in a number of years. But... but but so so thank you for the opportunity to come here and we have that relationship with with uh, with the late lunch and, oh no and, and i i, I and thank you for saying life. it because i was and i i was i wouldn't have let you out that door the perry without mentioning that because we appreciate yeah. that as well and we had a, a close relationship close and and absolutely. that that will continue i'm Absol- sure absolutely just give i uh, just see a message in there give give that phone number again will you please yeah it's 041 yep 68 yeah 539 Five three. Okay. And Caroline will be at hand to answer any calls. Okay, and I, I'll repeat that. So I will uh, uh, before the end of the show on a number of occasions. Oh four one six eight five three nine five three is the number you need. Or if you want to go online and check it out, it's mleh.ie. That that is the website as well. So. Uh, you, you guys just keep going and going. Your bundles of energy, you know, you, you one door closed, so to speak, in twenty twenty for you. Uh, but you had this, of course, running yeah, in the background yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But now you're, you're pushing out from this. What is it in the McCoys? Tell me what what's in the DNA. Uh, well, I think it came from our father and our mother. To be honest with you, um, obviously, um, there were seven there were seven fellas in our house, so we came from uh, you know a dynamic family, I suppose, and five big lads in the one house with no girls. We all had to fight our corner, so. 
you know, and, and we like to do things that are that are that are right. We believe that our father and our parents have given us good values, and and that's what our service is all based on is good family values. Um, and we think that's the basis of any community living or community facility. And mm. and unfortunately, that that lacks somewhat in uh, around in today's society. You know, so we're 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 trying to get back to you know basic living and basic values. But what drives us, I suppose, what drives me is just to do things right and mm. just 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 mm. to just to have an outcome that you can that you can make a difference in someone's yes. life you know yes. um yeah. and and that's that to me if you can make somebody smile or if you can change somebody's moment into a positive moment that to me is is a big achievement in somebody's mm. somebody's uh, day yeah and you know likewise a very very similar um thoughts to michael and and you know, both of us and, and, and some of our other brothers who are in the caring sector as well would, would share the same view, I suppose. But, you know, we look at what would we need? What would I need? What would my mom or dad need? What would my son or daughter need? And, and really creating it from there. And yes. if it meets their needs, then we're very confident that it'll meet other people's needs and, and it's that standard mm-hmm. and it's that you know philosophy of the approach that's yes. really really crucial for Can I us. tell you a small little story we had a resident who was with us for a number of years who passed away recently and that resident um, lived in our service um, for, for a number of years and he had a, he had a funeral like a celebrity because it was it was so recognised by the staff and the family that this guy, you know, had a, had a, an intellectual disability, but the staff just the staff just became so involved. And I and I was I met Eddie Caffrey out there, and the dressing of the graves were on in Balapusta last Sunday, which which Paddy works at, and I and our Eddie works at. And I met this girl coming in, and she was a member of staff. And I says I didn't realise she had somebody buried in Balapusta. She said I don't, but my husband is here. And I says, what do you mean your husband? And ah, you know what I mean, she said. So she was the key worker for this man who passed away. Yeah. Now, her husband or boyfriend was standing beside her and I, and, I, and I thought I spoke out of turn. She was going up to stand at this man's grave hmm. who passed away two months ago. She's no blood relation. She's paid to do her job. But she's going up to stand at his grave. That says it all. Uh, I have to say, uh, you know, listening to you guys, knowing your history and uh, what you've achieved and what you're intending to achieve in the future, I'd be very happy to put my life in your hands, in the hands of my life. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Uh, I wish you both well and thanks for popping into Late Lunch today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jerry. Take care. Bye-bye. I love this. A listener says, this sums up Dublin Airport at the moment, Jerry. Have a listen. It's called That's Not My Job. This is a story about four people people named everybody, somebody, anybody and nobody. There was an important job to be done and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realised that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. Whoever you are, thank you so much. You obviously know what it's like in the airport at the moment. We're hearing that it's just shocking. It's filthy in Dublin Airport at the moment. My God Almighty, a dog with a you-know-what in his you-know-where could get it sorted. Get contractors in, get it cleaned up, keep it cleaned up until you get 
the cadre of staff in that you need on a permanent basis. Is that rocket science? In my book, it's not anyway. Late lunch, LMFM radio, eh.ie. My soundtrack this week, well, in 2009, it was reported that famous filmmaker Robert Zemeckis was working with Walt Disney Studios on a remake of Yellow Submarine. The aim was to bring back the Beatles and launch the new movie to coincide with the 2012 London Olympics. It would have been timely. However, toing and froing happened a lot, but it never materialised with Disney dropping the idea totally in 2011. Zemeckis, uh, to give him credit, did pitch it elsewhere to other studios, but there were no takers and uh, he acknowledged afterwards that it was probably better that it was never remade. Uh, And I say to that, here, here. There are some movies that just shouldn't be uh, gone to again because Yellow Submarine is a classic of its time and today still in terms of animation, music and everything else. I say never tamper with something so special and unique with an outstanding soundtrack, as you know. And the soundtrack, well, it's underpinned with songs like these. Yeah, love is all you need from Yellow Submarine and the Beatles on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. It's the truest lyric ever written or sung. Love is all we need in this world, if only, if only we could ever attain it. After the break, Sinead Burke is back with her brilliant banter and she's going to tell us the story of the lost teddy bear. A brilliant observer of life, a wonderful storyteller. Here's our Sinead Burke with another little story just for you. So Teddy went on a cruise this summer. To be honest, this came as a surprise, as we took it for granted he would be holidaying with the rest of the family, as usual. However, when we started to unpack in the hotel, the switch became clear. We had someone else's case, and they had Teddy. They also had the eldest child's holiday money and his Star Wars wallet, two tablets and some jewellery. In the cold clinical light of a claims form, receipts could be secured for most things. But Teddy, he was priceless. A plan was hatched. From the sun lounger, which doubled as an operations room, a social media appeal was launched for Teddy's safe return. I contemplated ringing Joe Duffy. As days went by, More and more people shared our post. In Cyberland, Teddy was a wanted man. In our world, he was just very missed. A week in and we had expanded the search area. Airport ground staff, baggage handlers, shifty looking toddlers who looked like they had something to hide. Everyone was asked the same question. Do you have Teddy? As the weather app on our phones indicated the temperatures were rising. The tense heat increased inside the Burke's command centre as well. Every morning, following a fleeting and pleasing first thought of woohoo, we're on holiday, the now familiar ice-cold shiver of unfinished business would return. Blinking our eyes open to this limbo land of unanswered questions, the first croaky greeting of the day to each other would be, any news? Then Thomas rang. Mr Burke answered. Are you missing a teddy? asked Thomas. Are you missing plimsolls, a towel and some t-shirts? inquired Mr Burke. 
affirmative to both questions. A meeting point was arranged. Candles were lit and prayers were said to help this exchange go well. With the aid of Google Maps, information offices and the determination only a loving father can muster in 35 degrees, Mr Burke set off. It was a journey matched only by Homer's odyssey in its importance and ambition. There were many uncertainties to consider. Did Mr Burke have enough change to last him all nine bus journeys he had to take? Would his new book on Dublin gangland criminals last him the full five hours of his quest? And most importantly, would Teddy want to come home? What wonders or trauma had he been through? He was only six. Would he still be the same Teddy? He had been cruising, if you don't mind. In the mix-up at the airport... Teddy had ended up spending the week sailing around the Mediterranean. Marseille, Malta, Nice, Florence and Venice. Fair play to him. It seems when faced with the usual Spanish jaunt with his nearest and dearest, he literally decided to jump ship and see the world. While we worried and fretted about his well-being and innocence, he was sipping Bellinis, taking in the Serenissima. So I know what you're thinking. Has he changed? It's hard to say, like parents who have just welcomed their eldest back from the first summer at the Gwaeltacht. We aren't foolish enough to think that things didn't happen. We just prefer not to think about it. He has a bit of a fuzzy swagger about him that he didn't have before. And there's definitely the hint of condescension in his glass eyes when we talk about going up to the playground. Just nothing yet you could put your finger on. The only thing we know for definite is newly returned Teddy, might have a few notions. But the youngest Burke has never been happier. Happy she has Teddy back, but in years to come, I think she'll also look back on this adventure. Happy in the certainty, she also has the best dad in the world. To all the dads, belated Happy Father's Day. Me and my teddy Sharon Corr and Teddy Bear and thank God Box Bear was found. Thank you Sinead, we love your banter and we'll bring you more anon late lunch listeners. That's a lot on the show today. Tomorrow the dementia friendly barber I'm meeting him on the show. We have our book club with Margaret Madden, virtuoso of Vino, Rick Cronje is here David Sheehan does the sport, we have comedy and you have to guess the TV theme and of course I'll be back on the old submarine. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive and a big thank you to Brian Farley. Thanks so much for guiding me safely through the day today and we leave you with the man who was at the Aviva Stadium yesterday and they were all screaming and shouting and loving him, Mr Harry Styles. and as it was, see you on Friday 1.30 Hello, I'm Harry The best mix on LMFM Holding me back Gravity's holding me back I want you to hold out the palm of your hand Why don't we leave it Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. 
That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.